This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, Episode 17, the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show and Gardening Jobs and Plants of Interest for August. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, Sue Mack. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up in this episode, we are going to talk about the Hampton Court Palace Flower Show that Sue and I attended last month. And we'll have some interviews with Jack Dunkley, who is a young garden designer, and John Warland. Our plant of the month for August is Nortia Macedonica. We'll have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden. And plants of note, we have Phlox Panicolata Mount Fuji and Ceratostigma Wilmotianum Forest Blue. We'll also have forthcoming garden and flower shows. So, first of all, we've got our feature segment about the RHS Hampton Court Palace Flower Show that I went to with Sue. Now, previous podcasts you will have heard George, my co-host. George doesn't do it with me anymore because he's got other family commitments. I'm still looking for another co-host, so if you're interested and you've got a good knowledge of horticulture or you think you know somebody else who might be interested, please do let me know. You can email me at podcast at plantadvice.co.uk. For this episode, Sue has joined me. Now, Sue is the official plant advice photographer. That's right, isn't it, Sue? That's correct. And we go to all the flower shows together. We do really enjoy the flower shows. They are the highlight of the year. Now, Chelsea is without doubt the pinnacle, but Hampton is also a spectacular show. What did you think of this year's Hampton Court flower show, Sue? I always look forward to Hampton Court Flower Show. Other than Chelsea, like you said, it's one of the highlights of our year. And I just enjoy going and seeing all the gardens. And it is just one of the highlights for me. It's a different feel to Chelsea, though, isn't it? How would you categorise Hampton Court Flower Show compared to Chelsea if you had to try and explain to someone what the difference were? Uh, Just more relaxed, more relaxed feeling altogether. Chelsea is the creme de la creme of the flower show. It's not like a catwalk, isn't it, for yes, the flower show? Yes, there's not a blade of grass out <laughs> of line. But it is what it is, and it is called Chelsea for that reason. I would tend to say Hampton Court is perhaps a bit more of a gardener's gardening show. Yes, I think it is. More attainable, probably, for the average person. that have got ideas there that you can put in your own garden easier, I think. Now, they've changed Hampton Court set up a little bit in the last two years. And this year, they didn't have the little courtyard gardens. Now, that's always been one of my favourites. And it's just what you touched on. It's something you can achieve in your own garden because it's a smaller space as opposed to the bigger show gardens. I was a bit upset about that. That really was one of my highlights. Yes, they've changed the layout totally. And we always used to leave the little courtyard gardens right till the end. And they were just lovely. They were they just were, inspiring and 
what any average person that loves a garden can do. Well, you can always look back at some of the photos of the past Hampton Court flower shows on our website at plantofrice.co.uk. We've got a photo section there. We'll have a link to it in the show notes for this page, which you'll be able to get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 17. Something they did change this year, though, which I think was for the better, was the conceptual gardens. Now, that's a category I never really get my head around. It's a little bit too abstract a bit avant-garde, but this year they had a theme, an overriding theme for all of the conceptual gardens, and the theme was the seven deadly sins. So not surprisingly, they had seven show gardens. What did you think of those ones, Sue? I enjoyed them this year, like you, and I think giving a theme helped to be more structured and you understood it from the word go. I think that's always the key about the conceptual gardens. You need to understand the message the garden designer is trying to convey. I did enjoy it. It was interesting. You particularly liked the, what sin was it, anger? Yes. Yeah, with a little volcano in the middle that erupted every four minutes. Well, I liked it as well because its colour combination was amazing and I love the vibrant oranges and purples. For me, it just worked. It was stunning. Now, one other garden that we both fell in love with is Jack Dunkley's garden, isn't it? Oh, it was amazing. We sort of came around the corner. It was like, oh, wow, it just look at that. appealed to both of us. The colours, the combination, yeah, blues, planting, yes. It very wasn't... calm with the blues and the whites, lavenders. And speaking of Jack Dunkley, we did manage to have a chat to him about his garden. And this is what Jack had to say to us. So, Jack, you're back at Hampton Court. You've exhibited here before. Explain a little bit about the theory behind this garden and what your inspiration is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the garden is designed for just retirement, and the idea behind it is it's a journey towards retirement. So I've broken the design down into three separate areas. You've got an area of youth, which is planted with perennials. So you've got whites, blues, purples, edged with lavender, which draws your eye towards sort of the pavilion at the end. You've got an area of maturity, which has got big sort of specimen plants, big magnolia grandifloras, big acidisectums, and a retaining wall, so it's more accessible for retirees to get and maintain it. And then you've got a pavilion at the end where you can sort of sit and contemplate and look back on the journey you've taken, and it sort of encloses all the way around the whole garden. Now, you're 21. Yep. You've exhibited a few times before at Hampton yep. Court, mm-hmm. and you've done a garden here which I think shows immense maturity it's incredibly classically inspired it's very formal it's quite symmetrical as well it is very against the grain of a lot of gardens now they don't Mm. have this symmetry to them Mm. i mean i I love symmetry i you know i like lining things up i've got all the the box cubes with the bay cubes um and the chillstone panels everything is real fun playing with this haven't yeah absolutely even the planting is pretty symmetrical down to every individual plant and you've gone for a very soft colour palette. The, I have. the blues, pale blues and the whites are very, very calming. Yes, it is. Yeah. Is that one of your favourite colours or is it just fitting in with the brief? Yeah, I think blue is one of my favourite colours for plants. I find red sort of danger, you know, it's a colour for danger. Really. <laughs> um, and it's hard, I think it's harder to design with red for me. Yeah. And I do like blue and it, like you say, it is calm. It appeals to me, it really does. And what it. I also like doing is planting in quite large clumps. You know, so you yeah. can appreciate the plants more. When you've got sort of one in your individual plants, it's difficult to appreciate, you know, how lovely the plants are. I think that's a mistake we've made in our own garden. We see a plant, we think that's really nice. And you we'll just plant it, yeah. We'll actually uh, need to buy three or yeah. five and, and well, actually let it... Well, we've got a verbena boniariensis at the yeah. back, and 
on its own, it's one tall little spindly thing. But if you put them in mass, yeah, so in fact got we've got some, them, so I mm. think we're going to have to buy some more. <laughs> more yeah. we'll they do sell the seed, don't got. they? Well, hopefully, or, or it just will collect seed. seeds when yeah. they finish flowering, well, and then shake it you can plant them in the spring, and then they should be caught up when it's on. Let's hope it does, and we'll end up with a clump. It might look a bit better. It's a bit sad and lonely at the moment. Yeah. So in the past, what sort of medals have you got for the garden? For Hampton Court, yeah. I've got two silvers and a silver gilt. And what was the Italian gardener? I do remember the Italian that. job. That yeah, that was a beautiful. It was one, an, very classical it, it as well. It was. It was. Um, Similar design, similar sort yeah. of thinking behind it. Again, symmetry was involved, but obviously Italian inspired. So it had like a really nice uh, pool in it, and it had decking and limestone yeah. and pleach tree, ple- horn beams. Um, I think you've taken that, but you've just multiplied it tenfold on this one. Hopefully, yeah. You've just gone. I am speechless because both Sue and I, we love this, and we mm. could just dig it up and take it home and stick it in our own back garden, mm. which I think is a tribute to any garden designer. Mm. If people really like it, mm. then, okay, the medals are nice. I know you're chasing after medals. Yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, you want to inspire people, don't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. And if some, you know, people can look at the garden, take something away with them, then, it, like I say, it's worked. Jack, I really hope you do well. You deserve Thank to. You very much. I really have fallen in love with this. Thank you very much. Thank you ever so much. No, not at all. I can't believe he's only 21 and what he's achieved. I know, but I must be honest, we were there when he got his medal and he was really disappointed. He got a silver gilt, which is a phenomenal achievement, but he was hoping for gold, wasn't he? Um, he Well, we both said he should have got gold, but then we don't know what... We don't know what the judges are looking for, do we, or no. what they marked him down on. And I know he was trying to find out. He was very keen to get hold of the judges to know what he did fall down on so he can improve for next time. Yeah, and it was a beautiful garden, absolutely beautiful garden. But talking about the judges, we happened to be standing next to one of the smaller gardens when James Alexander Sinclair came up, who was one of the RHS judges, and he was explaining to the chap, I think he got, not sure if it was silver or silver gilt, but he was the halo garden, wasn't it, with a big blue halo over the top? He was explaining to him exactly why he fell down. Yeah, Mm, One of them was a big pole at the back, which was in the line of view. Yep. And he, he felt that cluttered kind of eye line. Another one was one of the ewes he's chosen was a little bit tatty, I suppose, yeah. for want of a better word. And the halo, when we looked at it and what he was pointing out was so correct because he was, had this yeah. halo and then a pole sticking about three yeah. inches above. It looked like the pole was holding the halo yeah. up and it spoiled the effect of the halo floating effectively, didn't it? So they do they do really have a good go at pointing out. Yeah. Well, I'm sure next time he designs a garden, he'll bear yeah. these things in but mind. It was, and it was so interesting just yeah. stood there listening to what he was saying. It was very interesting. I would love to know what the judging criteria are. It would be very interesting. I suppose that RHS are trying to be more transparent in this respect, aren't they? Yes. So they mark certain, so it's consistent across the board as opposed to perhaps a bit more subjective. And I think since they've changed the voting, it is definitely harder to get a gold and so it should be. Well, we saw that at Chelsea this year, didn't we? Yes. There weren't as many golds, which no. means when you do get a gold, it means that much more. Chelsea exactly. gold, I guess Chelsea Hampton got any RHS gold medal is worth a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Another thing that is always there at the Hampton Court Flower Show is the Scarecrow competition for local children. And this year it was a World War I themed one, as it's 100 years ago that World War I 
Menstrual. Mm. So it's commemorating that. And the children always do some fantastic scarecrows, don't they? It, they do. And it's always nice to see all the children because the day we go, all the school children go. They are. And they're lovely to see. it's just lovely. And it gets young children interested in gardening. It is. And I think that's a very good career choice to have. And I know the RHS are trying to promote that in the curriculum in schools as well. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Really good. Well, one of the other gardens we stopped at and spoke to the garden designers was the World Vision Garden. Now, this garden is commemorating 30 years since the Ethiopian famine, which Bob Geldof really brought to the attention of the world through the Live Aid event. Now, John Warland designed this garden, but he designed it in three stages. The first stage was actually at the Chelsea Flower Show, which had a packing crate, which landed effectively in Ethiopia with trees upside down, simulating or trying to convey the message of the aid that the West gave to Ethiopia by sending lots of trees to try and help them get out of the famine crisis. Now, at Gardener's World Live, they had a second garden. This showed the crate which had opened up, and all the trees had come out and started growing, which was really, that was quite a good one, that. I think we missed the one at Chelsea, didn't we? We Uh, didn't really notice it. Yeah, I think that was it. We didn't really notice it. But now we look back at the photos and realise the significance of it. It makes a lot more impact, doesn't it? It does. And this one now is at Hampton Court Flower Show, and this is where all of the effort has bared fruit, and they are now shipping produce back to the UK. Coffee, cut flowers, tomatoes, there was endless supply, wasn't there? Yes, there was. Now, it's not really a garden, a show garden, as you would expect. It's, I guess it's more of a conceptual garden, but it had a really strong message, didn't it? It did. It was more conceptual because it was just crates, it really. Built with, the packing crates. With fruit and Festing with and fruit, yeah. yes. So not a garden, as you would say. Not as you... But... A real, but interesting. Yeah, and a really Very strong message. Yes, and it was interesting the way they did it over three stages. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And if we'd have known about that, we'd have paid more attention. Well, we would have followed it more. Yeah, paid more attention at the beginning. Anyway, this is what John Warland and Darren Stobart, who helped choose the plants and plant it, this is what they had to say to us. Welcome, guys. You are exhibiting here at Hampton Court Flower Show, but it's a bit of a different garden here, isn't it? Very different garden. It's very conceptual. It's site-specific, and we've got about a 1,000 shipping pallets. That is the main structure. So it's an experiment with them, but it's the message of what a pallet is. You only need a pallet in your life if you've got something worth exporting. So the other things we've got in the garden, maybe up to 100 kilograms of Ethiopian roasted coffee. And this is remembering how far Ethiopia has come as a sort of country, really. So this is, I thought that was gravel at the bottom of there. No, that's that's coffee beans. That is a very, very expensive gravel. That certainly is, isn't it? (laughs) Eco-friendly. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Biodegradable. And we can use it later. (laughs) And this, you say, is to commemorate the 30-year anniversary since the famous Ethiopian famine, which we all know from Live Aid and the Bob Geldof thing. Yeah, this garden is the third in a trilogy. So we actually started at uh, RHS Chelsea a couple of months ago, and that garden remembered the moment that first aid crates fell to earth. And inside the crate we showed there 
all the plants were upside down, but it was a promise that in 30 years' time, uh, World Vision would help deliver a verdant, self-sustaining landscape. By BBC Gardener's World Live Part 2, the crate had fully opened and it had spilled its contents, which was 10 million trees that had been planted there by World Vision in the Antokia Valley. And now in this garden at Hampton Court, the crate is here. It's in skeletal form in the centre and it reminds us of what came, but it's no longer needed. Aid relief no longer goes to Ethiopia. And that is now why we have a 1,000 shipping pallets because they send us their coffee, the sort of billion dollar cut flower industry when you buy beautiful roses. More than likely, they may have started life in Ethiopia. It's gone full cycle, hasn't it? Yeah, We're exactly. We're shipping out there and now they're shipping back. And you've got a phenomenal array of produce, haven't you? You've got potatoes, we've got tomatoes, we've got cut flowers, we've got coffee bananas, oranges, there seems an endless supply. It is a cornucopia of delights really and that's what it's supposed to feel when you come inside this space. From the outside it looks very architectural and structural but inside you can almost smell the coffee, smell the tomato, see the sort of crates overflowing. Oh they all have made in Ethiopia and sort of grow hope written on the side and it's a goodwill charity story i mean there's so many terrible things happening in the world like 30 years ago in ethiopia this is a celebration i think it's a tribute to the way aid can help it's the age-old story isn't it you can give a, a man a fish and you feed him for the day but teach a man to fish and he can feed his family for the rest of his life exactly it's not a sticking plaster it's going to take 31 yeah. years for the project in the ansokia valley to be audited as self-sustaining and that is how long it takes i mean 10 million trees they do not happen overnight the sort of second garden was inspired by a quote saying society grows great when old men plant trees in which they'll never enjoy the shade and that shows the wisdom and vision of horticulture agriculture throughout sort of development projects and we've been at the core of what world vision have done in uh, ethiopia looking for the future darren what plants have you got in here then Uh, a wide selection the main feature plant is a ficus lorata which is known as a fiddle leaf fig. Yeah. It's five metres tall growing up through the crate. This is the one in the centre. One in the here, middle with yeah. the coffee around the base. And around the base of the fuckload, you've got the chlorophytum, the sort of house plant. Common name is spider plant. Yes, I recognise that. I recognise <laughs> that. Um, you've got some Sansevieria's, Mikado, different variety. It's the mother in law's tongue. Yeah. People might not recognise it because it's no, more like I a pencil it is, isn't it? shape rather than the sort of flat leaf. It's almost like really asparagus nice. growing up. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice sort of architectural shape. And then you've got the sort of more traditional plants that you might find for sale like the crotons of jacob's coat aglaonemus chinese evergreen some uh, calatheas some canna lilies which are coming into flower now with the orange flower which you see in the gardens yeah some bougainvillea adding a big splash of color some banana plants themselves kentia palms paradise palm some sunflowers giving another big splash of color uh, some trace scantia and some gasmanias, pink and orange coloured flowers. Most of which we wouldn't be able to grow in our back gardens. None of these in your back garden, <laughs> no. other than the canna lilies. But even yeah. then, you know, come the winter, they you've might be... You've got to bring them in, yes. Them in, so, but, uh, yeah, and this garden is trying to, once you're in it, taking you to another place. This is, you know, it's not directly relevant to if we got on a plane to Addis Ababa today, what we would see, but it's trying to evoke that feeling of the richness and something we can't And when the clouds here. clear and the sun comes out, you do feel transported to a different climate, yeah. And I really like the idea, you've done it over three different shows, from Chelsea to BBC Gardeners World, and now seeing the fruits of all the hard work here. It's a a tribute to what's been achieved in the last 30 years. Yeah, and it needs three gardens to try and (laughs) unravel the story. You can't do it in one here. And we've hopefully avoided a lot of the cliches of, you know, African straw huts and sort of pouring water from taps and things like that. And it's supposed to be thought-provoking. They've all been thought-provoking. It's something to question, to discuss. 
to you know work out how you can take things forward and realize that charitable giving whether it's sponsoring a child or you know making a sort of giving some of your time up it can make a difference but it's not an overnight doesn't solution. happen overnight absolutely well thank you very much gentlemen it's a really nice really nice show garden and it's nice to see the the journey through the three different gardens as well thank you thank you, thank you. Now, that garden only got a silver. I don't know why it got marked down in that respect. Again, comes down to the judging criteria. But I think the message it had was very poignant and very interesting. And I think it was fantastic to see that 30 years has gone by and it really has transformed the Ethiopian Valley, so much so they're exporting back to the UK and the West. Yeah, I know it is. It's very good. It shows that aid really can make a difference. Now, our plant of the month for August is Nortia Macedonica, which is a Macedonian scabious. This is a hardy perennial that likes full sun. It has a long flowering period from July to September. The flowers are deep purple with a red pincushion-like. They're very similar to those of a scabious. Mm. Uh, We're looking at the photo here, Sue and I, and we've got some scabious in the garden. I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference of this. No, I thought it was the same, actually. And it's, I wonder if you need to also deadhead this one like you do the scabious. Yes, you do need to deadhead this. I think like most things, deadheading will encourage more flowers. Uh, the flowers are held on quite tall stems above the finely cut foliage. And because they're quite tall, you might need to stake them up in early spring because we've had a lot of our perennials which have flopped over, haven't we? Yes, it's pretty though. It is pretty, and it also attracts the bees and the butterflies, so it is a useful plant if you want a wildlife garden, and as such it has the RHS Perfect for Pollinators Award. Right. The soil you need is moderately fertile, well-drained. It doesn't like its feet in water, so you do need it to drain away, particularly in the wintertime. And it can grow up to 80 centimetres with a spread of 50 centimetres, half a metre. So because it is tall, that's where the staking is required. It's got an average growth rate and it needs to be cut back to the ground in autumn. Oh, okay. And is that, does it only come in that colour? That's the genus and the species. I guess most of these things will have a cultivar. So if you can right. look around, you can find other cultivars. But that's the basic species of the Nautia Macedonica. I like that. We can't have it though, so we've got no, too much I've got in the garden. Too full. <laughs> I do think I'd like to find a spot for it, but yeah, I don't think there is a spot. To no, it's a lovely purple colour, isn't it? It's very yeah. nice. I do like that. Very pretty. Jobs to do in the garden. Now, jobs to do in the garden. The first job in our list of jobs is to propagate plants from semi-ripe cuttings. Propagating plants like this is a good way to get extra plants and save your pennies. So many plants can be propagated this month from semi-ripe cuttings. Such examples include penstemons and fuchsias. To do this, you need to select a non-flowering side shoot and cut it just below a leaf joint so that you're cutting off a shoot with four or five pairs of leaves. Then you need to strip the bottom two pairs of leaves so you don't get too much loss of moisture from them. And if you can, dip the cuttings in some hormone rooting powder. This will encourage it to root a bit quicker. Firm the cuttings into a pot of cutting compost. You can probably put about half a dozen per pot without too much trouble and place it in a cold frame or somewhere where it's going to be protected from the weather. Many of these cuttings should have rooted by spring and you'll have a lot for your garden or you can swap and share with your friends. 
Now, if you're going away this summer, holiday watering is important. You've probably got lots of plants in the garden which will need some watering. Containers particularly. We have a lot of containers, don't we? So you we like your do. pots. I do like my pots, and but sp- they do have to be watered you every day. You spend a lot of time watering yes. them. So you're going to need especially to get... Especially in this heat. Especially in this heat. We are having a bit of a heat wave here in the UK in a moment. Not that we're complaining at all. Some people do, but it is very pleasant and very welcome. So if you are going away, perhaps the best thing to do is ask your neighbours. If you can't do that, you perhaps need to look at some sort of automatic watering system. Now, we do have an article on our website which will give you a few examples of this. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes for this episode, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 17. Now, pruning we also need to do for some of the summer flowering shrubs. Many shrubs have recently just finished flowering. These can include things like the Philadelphius and the Weigelia. Our Philadelphius has just finished flowering, a nice white pom-pom type flower. You need to cut out the shoots that have just flowered. And if the centre of the plant is becoming a bit congested, you can prune up to about one third of the older stems down to about ground level. And don't forget, after pruning, give the shrub a bit of a boost by mulching around its base with some well-rotted garden compost or manure. This will help to invigorate itself and be ready for next year. You also need to start considering planting daffodil bulbs ready for the spring show. Uh, already for that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you need to plan in advance. <laughs> yes. Because I think they need to get in the ground. They need to have frost, don't they, or some oh, cold to, to trigger them, them and get them going, yeah. If you've got some fruit trees which are quite heavily laden with fruit, well, well done, lucky you. But don't forget to support some of the branches because they can become heavy and you don't want them dropping off. When your raspberry canes have finished fruiting, prune them to ground level. And if you've got any flowers toppling over, particularly the tall perennials, like we talked about with the Macedonica, tie them up onto a cane or some sort of stake. We seem to suffer that problem with a lot of our perennials, don't we, Sue, in the garden? They flop over a lot. Uh, I don't know why. Some of them we've managed to stop, and I think part of the key is to stake them early before they get too far gone. But we did that with the crocrosmia, but it still seems to fall over. I know it's very heavy, and that's probably why. I but think we, we need stake to stake it early enough. I think we need to get some stronger stakes because some of the ones we've got have only got a central stake in it, and with a big heavy plant, and certainly when you've got a lot of wind and rain, it pushes it over. So you get the one with the four legs rather something than something like gonna that. Get it's going to a lot more, more anchorage. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to look at that at the Tatton Park Flower Show that we're going to, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Because it doesn't look as tidy when they're falling No, over. when they're upright, it does look a lot prettier. Yeah. And if you can get the stakes that are coloured green and kind of hidden in the foliage, you don't notice you them don't so much. You don't even see no. it, no. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to continue working on that one, aren't we? Yes, we yes. are. <laughs> we'll just have every plant in the garden staked, staked up. up. <laughs> <laughs> Something else you also need to do at this time of year, it's a full-time job almost, is deadheading. You're regularly doing that, aren't you, Sue? Yeah, I actually quite enjoy it. I'd normally go out first thing in the morning with my little clippers and deadhead, and I just find it quite relaxing, actually. Quite therapeutic. Very. It makes them look a lot neater, takes the old blooms away, and also encourages them to produce more flowers. Well, this is the thing. So very important. Yeah. Another thing to do at this time of year is regular lawn mowing, particularly with the warm weather and the rain. It does grow quite quickly. But if we do get a dry period, it's probably best to raise the height of the lawn mower so you're not cutting it too short and give the grass a little bit of a chance to recover. 
trim the border edges once you've done that and don't forget to regularly spray roses against green fly and black spot we've got a bit of a problem with black spot haven't we but we green fly we've been lucky with this year yeah but our black spot seems to have got onto all of our roses yeah. for some reason we'll give it another spray so we can get that under control and if you do have a greenhouse, damp down the paths with a bit of a spray, the humid atmosphere, there's some pests such as red spider mite, they don't like that, and the humid atmosphere helps to combat that. And finally, water and feed containers and hanging baskets regularly. And if it's very hot and very windy, they really are going to lose a lot of moisture, and sometimes you need to do it twice a day. In the vegetable garden. In the vegetable garden, it's time to sow seeds outside of lettuce, radish, cabbage and onion. And harvest time, it's a bountiful time of year. You could be harvesting peas, French beans, tomatoes, onions, radish, carrots, turnips, beetroots, spinach, cauliflowers, cabbages, lettuce, globe artichokes, broad beans, runner beans, marrows, courgettes, cucumbers, potatoes, Swiss chard, Broccoli, celery, sweet corn, aubergines, peppers, and pumpkins. Wow, you need that's a an big awful lot. Pack for <laughs> yeah. All of that. <laughs> yeah, we've only got a few. Our courgettes are doing really well, aren't they? Yes, we do they like are. our courgettes, and we do seem to have success with those. Oh, we're lettuce, doing well. we're not doing too bad with. No, lettuce is looking good. And but radish, we've got, to keep, uh, keep, we've got to keep picking it though. Yeah, our radish, we finished those, didn't we? Yes. we I think we do need, and to, we need to plant some plant more some because more, we do enjoy the radish yeah. in the salad. Yeah, so a good time of year for lots of nice salads and fresh fruit and veg with no carbon miles at all. I know, there's nothing nice to just going out into the garden and getting your lettuce for your salad. Absolutely not. Gorgeous. It is superb, isn't it? Makes it all worthwhile. Oh, definitely. And tastes better. (laughs) (laughs) Much more so. Plants of Note now, plants of note for this time of year. The first plant we have is Phlox paniculata Mount Fuji. This sometimes is called Fujiyama. I think the new name is Fuji. They change the names of things for some bizarre reason. Now, we don't have any flocks in the garden, do we, Sue? But no, I have I like looked flocks. at them. I do like the flocks, and I think it might be nice to get one. They also have a strong fragrance. This one particularly does. It's a hardy perennial with an average growth rate. can grow up to quite tall, one metre. I didn't realise phloxes were so oh, tall, right. actually. And 75 centimetres wide or spread. So it can colonise a, a good solid clump, a nice area. I think it, we need to buy another house, Richard, with a bigger garden. <laughs> a bigger garden, <laughs> yes, I think so. It likes full sun or partial shade and soil. It does like it quite moist in the summertime, well-drained and fertile. And the flowers on this particular cultivar are late flowering, so you do get some flowers later on from August to October, so it's quite a widespread, with clusters of small white flowers. And I said before, very strong fragrance, which also attracts mm. the bees and the butterflies. It does have the RHS Award of Garden Merit, so you know if your plant has got that, it's a tried and tested variety and will do well in your garden. It does like a lot of feed, so some well-rotted manure in the spring can help with that. And like we've said before, deadhead to prevent seed setting and encourage new flowers. Cut it down to the ground in autumn time, and if you want to get some more flowers, you can divide larger established plants in the autumn or spring, and you can get a new clump or swap with your friends for something else. I do like the flocks, I really do. Yeah, it does look And that nice. one's quite a pretty one, Mount Fiji. It's pure, pure white, isn't it's it? Beautiful, yes. 
Perhaps we'll have a look at the garden. Show. We'll have to we'll find, have to look for have a to spot, find a somewhere. spot. Yes, something might have to go. But it's always nice if it's got a nice scent. Yes, it is, isn't it? Something round by the patio, that's nice. And then you can appreciate the scent when you're sitting there with well, your gin and tonic. Also, when you brush past it, sometimes yeah. you get a lovely smell. Indeed. The other plant of note we've got for this month is Ceratostigma wilmotianum forest blue. This is sometimes also called Chinese plumbago. It's a hardy deciduous shrub. It's got a fast growth rate and grow up to one metre tall and 1.5 metre spread. It likes full sun, fertile, light, moist, well-drained soil. And it has small clusters of light blue flowers. Each flower is about two centimetres wide. It flowers from August to October. It's got quite nice land-shaped leaves, but one of the key features, the leaves turn to a rich red in autumn. So you've got a double whammy there. You've got the light... It's very pale blue, aren't they? Very pale. And then if the leaves turn red in autumn, once the flowers have gone, you've got some extra interest. Mm. That looks lovely. It does. It's, yeah, a nice low-growing... Well, not so low-growing, really. One metre tall is... That's quite tall, really, isn't it? It is. Maybe not something at the front of a board, unless you get a big, massive garden. It has the RHS Award of Garden Merit again, so you know that's a good plant. It's generally pest-free. Once it's flowered, you need to cut back the flowered stems to about three centimetres from the old growth in spring. And if you do want to propagate it, you can propagate it by semi-hardwood cuttings. Forthcoming Garden Shows We're coming to the end of the garden show season, really, so we've only got one garden show coming up for August. It's from the 14th to the 17th of August, and it's the Southport Flower Show. And this year, their theme is Brazil, which I guess coincides with the World Cup football this year, doesn't it, which was held in Brazil. I'm sure they uh, coincided that and thought about that. It is actually the largest independent flower show in the country and attracts up to 100,000 visitors over four days each year. Not one we've attended. We tend to do the RHS ones, but maybe something to think about and stick on our list for next year. And Southport? Where's Southport? It's kind of northwest, isn't it, on the coast? Okay. That does sound an interesting Uh, one. Merseyside, I believe, that sort of area. Liverpool sort of area, Mm. yeah. We seem to spend a lot of our time in the summer traipsing up and down the country going to flower shows, don't we? Oh, we love it. We do love it. The car gets a few miles put on it. It does. So that's about all for this episode. If you'd like to look at some of the photos we've taken, or Sue's taken, of the show gardens at the various shows, you can look on our website at plantadvice.co.uk, but we do have many more photos on our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash plantadvice. And if you want to, you can always follow us on Twitter with the handle at plantadvice. So that is about all for this episode. Thanks ever so much for listening and I hope you'll listen again next month. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. This podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.